Hey guys, and welcome to the 11th underrated minisode. I'm your host, Gabriel Green, and I am here with my co-host, James Hamrick. What's going on, man? Nothing much. What's going on with you? Uh, about the same. Um, so today we are here to talk about Wonder Woman, uh, the latest film in the DCEU. Um, let's just jump right into it. Wonder Woman was directed by Patty Jenkins on a budget of $149 million, and it's making a lot of money at the box office. I think it's already doubled that. And it stars Gal Gadot, Chris Pine, Danny Houston, Robin Wright, Connie Nielsen, David Thewlis, Saeed Tagmawi, I think. I'm, he's, I'm sorry. Uh, Elena Anaya and Ewan Bremner. And it was written by Alan Heinberg, and it was shot by Matthew Jensen. The score was composed by Rupert Gregson-Williams. And uh, this will be a spoiler review. We'll be spoiling everything from this film. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. It's great. So this is the first DCEU film that has received basically any kind of critical acclaim. And it's no secret that uh, you and I both are enormous fans of both Man of Steel and Batman v Superman. Um. So for me, you know, hearing that people liked it, it's like with a Marvel film when everybody likes it, that's encouraging. With a DC a DCEU film, it's like, okay, does that mean now, now they're just mediocre or something? Because since everything people hated about the other, the other two films was their ambition, it was really worrying. Uh, did you kind of have that same feeling? Oh, definitely. Um, I feel like just based on the reviews, because no one, no one just reviewed those movies or sorry almost nobody just reviewed those movies objectively it was it was this is why this movie is dumb and this is what i would have done differently this is what it was missing superman should have been more like this and so it's like it's half review and half like fan edit um and a lot of just what people were saying well superman should have done this and this is how these characters should be portrayed and this is what the world should be like Knowing that that's what they wanted, and then seeing the ninety whatever percent on Rotten Tomatoes, I was like, "Oh crap! Did they get what they wanted?" Because I don't want them to have gotten <laughs> what they wanted. Uh, because to me, what they want is just what I what it seems too often is like this nineteen fifties Christopher Reeve Richard Donner sensibility that's that's still charming but not particularly relevant. I think, um, but I did enjoy uh, yeah, the movie considerably so yeah yeah as did i i guess just to dive right into my general thoughts on wonder woman is yeah i i like quite liked it. it's a very well executed film i mean up until bvs i could never hear someone talk about how much they wanted a wonder woman film without kind of rolling my eyes i mean you just the costume she has the lasso of truth and bulletproof bracelets it's just <laughs> It feels so kind of goofy, and I, I think, um, Patty Jenkins took what what Snyder uh, gave us in BVS and d developed it really well into. I mean, I think she was great there, she, and like the little bits of uh, personality we got was very fat, intriguing, and fascinating. And then you know, taking that and then crafting you know this fully fledged character and. And you know a world that she could have come come from. I found it all just very well made and off compelling. Yeah, I think one of the things that this movie does really well is, you know, as someone who loves Batman versus Superman, I think that, you know, Batman and Superman and Lex Luthor are all incredibly well developed. Um, they have a lot of nuances and complexities, 
And Wonder Woman was great, but she's just kind of there, and you're not really her- sure um, who she is. And now that we have her backstory, we understand her worldview more and the way she looks at everything. Rewatching that, I think it enriches her character in that movie. Um, so, yeah, I think this movie mm-hmm. really, it takes, like you said, it takes what Snyder started and it really runs the, does a great job with it. Yeah, and I, what I think it uh, does well is this is essentially the backstory that I had imagined for myself when watching, you know, she talks about how she, she no longer interferes with the affairs of men. She doesn't even know if, if uh, it's worth it. And so I, I kind of imagine, you know, a backstory kind of like this. And I, I think it shows th- there's a, a great, uh, there's a very distinct uh, thematic cohesion between all three uh, DCEU films. There's only three. Uh, <laughs> and it's funny, you know, for everybody talking about how different this one is and how it's so much more hopeful and just so, and, and it couldn't be anything like the others. I think this one is very much at its core, a continuation of everything that Snyder is exploring with these films. And also, you know, Nolan and uh, Terrio and Goyer and all them. Just the idea of man's intersection with heroes. The first two DCEU films are talking about, you know, like what would happen if a hero came into our modern cynical world? Or just how would the uh, world react to these heroes? Like BVS explores like three distinct um, kind of courses that humanity's uh, reactions could take and this one instead of going that direction comes back and says do we even deserve heroes i mean are we even worth having these people come to help us and i like that this this film is is it's about something in the midst of all the punching and all that awesome stuff it still has a very strong thematic core that it is pushing that it is exploring that uh i think it's still to a point sets it apart from marvel i mean i i hate when people have to praise dc by breaking down marvel um i love both and i love both because of this difference yeah i think that this movie does it it's not really it doesn't copy marvel um to a t i think what it does well is that it, it kind of borrows the elements from the genre that we know works um while still retaining like what you said, this thematic core that does separate itself. And not just from, you know, Marvel, but from most, like, almost any superhero film outside of the DCEU. It continues these these themes and it cements itself within this universe and apart from others. Yeah, I think uh, DC did take a lot of the criticisms to heart. And in at least in some of the story structure and plot beats, they did kind of go back to a more generic mold. And I think that does hurt the film, especially in the climax. And we'll get into that all in the dislikes. But in spite, in spite of the steps they took back in their ambition, they, they are still trying to be thoughtful and meaningful. And I, I definitely respect that. I, I'm, I was so afraid that they weren't, that they were just going to give us an entertaining, but ultimately kind of hollow action film. And we, we actually got something really rich. Yeah, so I guess just jumping like into our initial positives, uh, something that I liked a lot was the intro to the film. Um, I think that um, it's kind of it it's it does really well. You've got this character who you know everybody's kind of heard of Wonder Woman, but I would say that most people probably have absolutely no idea like who she actually is and her backstory and things like that. Um, 
So I think the intro actually does a really good job at setting up what the mascara is, who the Amazons are, um, who Wonder Woman is. A lot of it is just because I think the cast there is, uh, at least for all the leads, is really good. Uh, but I think that, like, to me, even Lily Aspel as young Diana, I thought was really, really good. Uh, she was really funny to me. And I think that she and her mom, that was a relationship that I believe from the outset. And I think you have to get that initial, those initial scenes to set up these two characters for the rest of the film. At least the rest of the film that pertains to, like, her relationship with her mother to work really well. And... I think that Lily Aspel really played this. I I have a niece, and I saw my niece and her, so that may be I may just be biased. But when she's up there pretending to punch and kick, I couldn't help but think of, you know, oh, yep, that's that's so and so up there. I see it. She she did really well with the accent as well. I mean, there were a couple of times you could see her kind of tripping over it, but to 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 put on that thing of an accent and still act at that young of an age is pretty impressive. Yeah, especially she's Scottish. I found out. Oh wow! And so she's already hi- having to hide like this very thick accent, this accent that's just naturally very, you know, obvious, and then do this equally like very thick accent. It is impressive, um, and the fact that it doesn't look like she's trying to concentrate on doing an accent; she's acting while doing this accent. And I just think that um, you you really see the beginnings of of who Diana is later in this little girl and I think it works well um and then I I really like the relationship between Hippolyta played by Connie Nielsen and Antipi I always never really Antipi Antipi yeah I don't know I'm not even gonna try to pronounce their names I'm just gonna call them their <laughs> actresses names Connie Nielsen and Robin uh Robin Wright I thought they had really good chemistry and a scene that I really liked between the two is whenever uh Robin Wright's character is trying to convince her to allow her to train young Diana. And to me, Connie Nielsen plays that scene in a very motherly way, where she's kind of convinced that she's wrong, but what she wants for her daughter is still kind of controlling what she says. And she's like, Ares may never come back. You know, we, this this might never happen. We, we don't mm-hmm. even know. But you can tell that she's not even believing what she's saying. She just doesn't want to say anything else. And I thought that, like... As small of a moment as it was, that was like a really great moment to show, you know, just the way that both of these two characters look at at Diana and how how she should be raised. And it was a really, I th- I thought it was a really nice moment. Yeah, it's a it's a very good use of side characters. You know, giving them enough depth to where we understand we understand their impact on the main character, and so that even though they're only in the film, maybe fifteen minutes. We uh, they, we still understand how well how well they shaped Diana into who she is when she leaves and goes to the war. Yeah, you almost see bits of that character in Diana throughout the movie. Um, you know, because we got enough glimpses of this character that Diana is this way because of this character. And I guess we should probably talk about Wonder Woman herself. Uh, I'm just gonna call her Gal Gadot. That's the one I hear the most. Uh, I think I've heard her say that. I mean, I'll probably slip and say Gadot once or twice throughout the review. But yeah, I, I thought I heard her say Gadot. Uh, oh, well, I, I watched a montage on YouTube that had like <laughs> a bunch of reporters and her saying Gadot. So I'll, I'll just go with that. <laughs> but I, I have heard both as well. Uh, she is 
incredible. I mean, we already knew she had like just poise and regality in um in BVS, but there is so much just pure innocence and joy and this this uh kind of wonderful mix of both uh this deeply naive nature but also kind of a righteous indignation at when she sees the horrors of war and there there are so many different little things she has to play both you know be a serious like, like a character that comes from medieval setting you know the fish out of water all the humor that comes with that then the the sorrow at the horrors of war and then you know also playing a god who could, who could kill anybody in the room with her pinky. There's, it's just a lot to play. And I think she do, she balances all of that really well and makes her into a very human and a, a relatable character. Yeah, like you said, being this, this fish out of water, the movie was going to demand a lot from her in different aspects. There's, you know, humor comes from that. Um, and then, you know, the, the to me, what's going to demand the most acting ability is is the, her reaction to the fact that mankind is not at all what she's used to on Themyscira, and sh- when she, you know, witnesses the the nuances of people, the the fact that people aren't always great, especially when she sees the genuine horrors of war, the way she reacts to it, this person who's lived in a very black and white world before, I think it's it all works really well. It never feels unbelievable to me, um, and I think. You know, it kind of put to rest everybody who is unconvinced of her as an actor um, in BVS. Yeah. Like, just there's so many little touches and moments. Um, what well, uh, I loved about this film was the pacing. It's, it's two hours and 20 minutes, but it really didn't feel it. It it, fe- it moved fairly well. There's a lot of ground to cover, and I think it... it uh, it just it kind of it kept moving and there are constant character beats and great character moments throughout um like the scene after she first arrives in uh london is like well which way to the war he's like well well that way but we got to go this way (laughs) and just i guess to talk about that i gotta talk about uh, chris pine as steve trevor um he is so good and he might be like one of the best developed like sidekicks to a hero that I've seen in almost any uh, superhero film, but not not in a way that in any way diminishes uh, Diana's arc, but in a way that just kind of informs and enriches it while also informing his own arc. It's a very uh, great balance they've struck there, and he was fantastic. Yeah, Chris Pine to me, he's probably one of my favorite actors. I've, he's he's played a wide range of characters that I don't think he gets enough credit for. You know, he's the kind of cocky leading man with Kirk. And then he actually matured that own character in the third installment. And then, you know, this gruff man from the South in um, Hell or High Water. And now this, this nuanced war hero in this, he's, he's a very talented actor. And he and Gal Gadot had great chemistry together. Um, yeah. And what I loved about both of their performances is that, they were always acting. Even when the camera wasn't focused on them, they were always those characters. Um, and so a moment for both of them that... I, I, I've, seen, I've seen the movie three times now. Um, and so a moment that I always notice every time I've watched it, one moment whenever they're in the bar and David Thewlis' character comes in and he says that he's come to help. Uh, Diana turns to Steve Trevor and he, she kind of gives this like 
not obnoxious look, but this this smile, kind of like, I t- like, there are still kind of good men. See, like, I don't. It. She felt very. It almost looks like a feeling of justification going across her face as she turns and looks at everyone else as he's come to pledge his help, and uh, and she's just kind of in the background, and then um, for Steve, you know, as they're. As they're walking, she gets her ice cream and she's just kind of doing the humor like, you should be very proud of herse- of yourself. And he says, you should be proud. And he turns around and he's just kind of smiling and he looks at her like, you can tell that he's enjoying watching her experience this whole like world for the first time. It's almost like, you know, we watch a little kid see something for the first time that they've never seen when you take them to an amusement park or show them something. And they just, it's this look of wonder woman, or <laughs> it's this look of wonderment. And you, you enjoy just seeing them experience it. And he's he's consistently, you know, when the movie, you know, asked that of him, even when he's in the background, he's always kind of got that face on him where it's just he's he's taking in her taking it all in. Um, and there's just they're two really great performances. I would have been completely happy if he had just played Captain Kirk again, uh, but he didn't. He actually he made this character completely its own. <laughs> I love the, I am. Above average, you know. Yeah, y- yes, you are, Chris Pine. You definitely are. <laughs> I like how he just he. I would say he is an idealist in, like, as much of an idealist as somebody could be in World War One. So I think, like, kind of his form of slightly more pra- pragmatic idealism, meeting her just pure, incredibly na- naive and possibly destructive na- uh, idealism. It was a really fun balance and just. Some of my favorite scenes were them just walking through the streets of London, and he's just like, "Please, close your coats. Just come this way." Yeah, and it's a cute baby, but we gotta go. We gotta go. That that one's not made from clay. It's just it could have been so easily had jokes dragged out too long, or uh, just have him just become annoying by constantly having to correct her, or her become annoying by constantly being just needed to be corrected. Yeah, but there's such a deft balance in the humor of this film that I. Like, as opposed to The Guardians 2, a film that was, like, every five minutes rolling my eyes at a joke that was dragged out too long. This film is very funny, but I don't I don't recall a single joke that just went on too long. It felt very well balanced. And to me, something that I really loved, while we're talking about the humor of the movie, something that I loved about the humor is it never feels like the kind of humor that was just written in a writer's room to get a laugh. It always felt like it arrived organically. Um... And it kind of makes sense, like the initial scene on the boat. You know, like I, I'll get, I'll, I'll sleep with you. Fine. All right. I mean, I, <laughs> this is me making my decision. Sure, I'll do it. Like, it's it's stuff that. And how many how many ways could that scene have been so cringeworthy? I know that's exactly to me. It's like man, just any all, all of those lines to me landed, but it could have so easily have been like, oh my gosh, what is what is this movie doing right now? But it wasn't. It, it, it found a way. Like it kind of developed his character the way you know he's, and it's like outside of the confine. It's just not polite. Too soon. I'm not gonna. And then her going, her. You know, we're, that's the beginning of us seeing her kind of experience the more modern sensibilities of people going like, wait, so you can't do this and like, it was a really funny scene and it made sense based on the characters. And, um, you know, it never undermines any of the seriousness of moments. And it always, you know, we we have a fairly extended sequence, actually multiple sequences 
kind of consecutively about humor, and yet they I don't think they ever feel like they're outstaying their welcome. You know, we we've got the long street scene of her just seeing one thing, seeing the couple holding hands, seeing the baby, opening her cloak. And then we... No, inst- we're not together like that. <laughs> and then instantly going from that scene to her, you know, trying on the new clothes. Like, it's a very long sequence of what's essentially just humor. But it's never... It never feels like it's just humor for humor's sake. Like, this is going to be funny, naturally. <laughs> um, and so to me... I think maybe there are a couple jokes that to me don't even when the jokes don't like aren't a knock out of the park they're still enough to like get a smirk um so I think the humor of the movie works very well yeah and uh Lucy Davis is mainly a, a comedic side character but I I think she uh brings a, just a, a, a nice little uh balance to the because both of those characters are fairly fairly serious and it's a very serious situation so having kind of her as the the henpecked uh uh, assistant uh, just kind of brought a decent balance to the whole for all the frustration that uh, Steve was having and and uh, Gal Gadot's uh, I went and said it <laughs> Gal Gadot's uh, uh, naivete yeah I I think Lucy Davis is hilarious personally you know she's just got a lot of British humor experience under her belt at this point between the British office and you know Shaun of the Dead and other things of that nature that she she just has a fantastic sense of comedic timing and she's a great face actor. Um, (laughs) She's very expressive and she, you know, she always like the way she changes the tone in her voice for her lines. And um, I think she brought a lot of like really funny quirks to her character that made her more memorable than it could have been. Like just Diana lifting her dress and like, no, 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 no. Like just it's, (laughs) she's constantly being a funny character and, oh, and, I like her. Uh, I really do. I like her. Like, it's... I don't know. She was a very memorable character for the kind of character that she was. And I don't know, just... Her consistent expression in reaction to the scene, to me, I just saw it and I was like, this this makes sense that she's doing this well just because she's a, she's a seasoned actress at this point with all of the all of the com- different kinds of comedic roles she's played at this point. Yeah. Um. Getting into the plot... One thing that impressed me a lot was that I don't, I can't recall a single moment where this film got sidetracked. It it seemed to have a very a very singular focus and a story it wanted to tell. Um, uh, you know, Diana's you know coming to humanity with with this naive idea. You know, Zeus made man to be you know, like noble and passionate and good. She had like she's kind of just quoting the myths she's been taught and uh, on Themyscira. Uh, and then, you know, coming and seeing that we kind of suck. <laughs> I think every scene throughout just shows the balance of, you know, what man can be when they're not being sucky and then we're <laughs> how bad we can be. Like, you know, a lovely little scene and then a moment where kind of another bit of her naive uh, idealism is kind of just ruthlessly squashed. Like, the, I like the scene where she just, like, just tells off the general for being an idiot, just... Where where I come from, generals lead their men into battle, and and like, wh- who are you? You should be you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. You just said the most horrible thing. You're you're, and it's 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 kind of like a, a child, but it is what well, she's the thing she's she thinks she's saying is true, uh, to a point. Um, but it's not, it, it's not. That's again, that scene could have so quickly become just 
annoying, but she uh, Gal Gadot brings so much just emotion. I, I I believed every word she was saying there, uh, as she's confronting this general for this really horrible thing he said about his men. Yeah, I think she's able to play emotion just very well as an actress. You know, when it when the scene kind of demands her to to be incredibly compassionate or angry or upset, she's able to like channel very human emotions and deliver all of her lines that way. And like you said, there there are just so many moments in this movie that could have been annoying. Like this movie had potential to be obnoxious, but it never was. And it's because everybody played their performances really believable and the the movie never well, the movie put them in situations that could have either gone really well or gone really bad. And because the script was smart and the actors knew how to play those scenes, I don't think it ever was annoying and and it it consistently found like there are so many moments of just her being confronted by the you know the real world, and that itself could you know it kind of has the potential to feel overplayed like man how how many times we get it she's a fish out of water, but it never felt that way um yeah i I love how she can go from oh a baby, which is basically how I react when I see babies to you know taking out a German submachine gun nest and punching a guy through a window it's N- neither one feels like a ridiculous extreme. Both feel like they're they are part of the same character. Yeah, a, a scene that I I really liked. We're just talking about the pacing, the fact that I I forget that this is two hours and twenty minutes. Like this movie moves at such a brisk pace, um, and yet even like even though it's moving at a brisk pace, it often stops to have very good character moments. And a moment that I really liked a lot was the dance scene. Uh, after the village had been freed, it was a nice time to just stop and live with these characters. And you know, and then he, you know, he sees Charlie singing for the first time in years. And it's just, just even though none of the villagers had major characters, just seeing them kind of dancing freed from this, it was, it was a time for the movie to stop and remind the audience of like what it's for. Like these people mm-hmm. are dancing and having fun. They're no like this is why war is fought is for moments like this to happen and to it it was just a a nice way for the movie to not get caught up in its action or its humor and to just to just allow us to kind of live with these characters um and to see with them the world at large yeah it shows very clearly what diana was fighting for that that town like that town isn't isn't really an allied objective. She didn't go and take it because that's what would have profited the British Empire. She hears, "Oh, there are people that need my help." She walks out of the trench and goes and does it. It shows what she is fighting for, and I, I like that she is stuck in. They didn't put her in World War Two, which had a much more clear. These guys are these guys are really really bad. These guys have other guys have some problems, but they're a whole lot better. Uh, World War One was. A lot less um, clarity as to who he, who was uh, completely wrong. Pardon, I I do kind of wish that maybe the the politics of World War One was in it a little bit more. At least you know, like her, seeing her understand what's being fought for and why. But then that may just be because I really like seeing like political themes in movies and stuff. And it may not have. I don't know. It's already two two hours and twenty minutes. Um, but for for what was in it, I do think it was all well done. And I guess to talk about some of the action, I have some serious problems with some of the action later on. But, but uh, the two 
big standout sequences, you know, the beach scene and then the trench sequence. I think both, well, I have some issues just here and there. I don't think Jenkins is the most adept action director. When she is on, when she when she has you know, a clear idea of what I want this action scene to be, there are a lot of just fantastic moments that are like forever burned into my uh, retinas just of how epic they are. Like just the entire beach sequence. I, I really don't, they're probably less than 100 good batons, but that scene feels so epic. And uh, it had a very thematic uh, purpose in the story, but also it was it was just cool. Yeah. it What it almost felt like is, you know, you know, we have this battle and Jenkins was just thinking like, what's something cool that we could do? I'm going to, I'm going to film like a series of just really cool moments and then put it together in a way that flows. Cause it was like moment after moment of really interesting things to me, even like I, I too have like issues with the final battle, but before that, even when the battles aren't perfect, they're never bland. Even when the even when the you know the filming uh, the filmmaking isn't like one hundred percent top notch, it's made up for by the fact that it's just interesting to look at. Um, whether it's the beach scene, like you know people dropping off their horses and instantly shooting arrows, or the shield uh, part was really cool, um, throwing daggers everywhere, and then you know um, when she it almost uh, a similar feeling to Batman's warehouse scene in. Um, bvs where it's just her with a bunch of guys around her just kind of bouncing from one guy to the next it she it's never just like oh i'm gonna punch you then punch you you know she's sliding on her shield she's like doing backflips and it's all really cool and interesting um i think for what she may lack as in terms of action as a director she has really cool ideas she's always putting something cool on the on the screen yeah, the the no man's land sequence I think is is the highlight of the film. Um, it's it's such a beautifully built sequence. Just you know, coming from we just had a kind of a sort of montage where Steve was saying, "No, we can't stop and help. We can't stop and help. We have to go. We have to keep moving. We have to keep moving." And finally, she's just sick of it. She's just like, "Okay, I'm gonna go, <laughs> I'm gonna go help." And it, it, she had it like a very strong kind of Captain America feeling, you know. As you know, the person that's just a bit that's stronger than everyone else who can you know step in and not just do it all herself, but you know provide an example and give the people around her you know the ability to uh, get up and do what they need to do. I, I love how just the, the sequence is so beautifully built. You know, where she's just standing out there um, taking all the fire, then then all the guys realize you know, hey, we we we, we could do this. And you know, just how it's built her slowly moving forward, all the gun, the uh, machine gun fire just bouncing off her, that overhead shot of all the fire just ricocheting off is like is incredible. And then just Steve and his group moving up kind of alongside her and then moving into the town and all it's just as a sequence, it is so well built and paced. I mean it, it's it's one of the more impressive it just from not not even more than just the moment to moment, just how each scene builds off the next and just builds and builds uh, in a very clear direction and purpose uh, is just it, very impressive. Yeah, I, I think that scene is going to become iconic. Um, people will associate that scene with the character of Wonder Woman, I think, going forward. Um, just it, it feels like it was built to be remembered. Like it, it's clearly... There, there, it just has such a visual flair, and it just looks awesome. 
And it's really emotional, too, just coming off all the horrors we have seen up till now. And then the fact that this this is isn't necessarily a tactical battle. It's just her trying to help people. And then just where he, ta- he talked about, you know, these people have been here for a year and they haven't even gated an inch. And all, all she needs to do is like give give uh, them a little shove and they're able you know, to take out this this, this section. It's, it's just such an inspiring moment just from a, an emotional standpoint, even not even getting into how cool it looks. Yeah, and, and it works start to finish. Um, even just the shots of her climbing a ladder looks awesome. Um, and then, you know, with the, the initial deflecting the bullet in slow-mo, and then it builds into that great shot, and then it instantly goes into the action into the town. It's just a really well-paced action moment uh, from start to finish. And like you said, it's it's not just action for the sake of action. It actually works thematically very well for the characters. And something, uh, just while we're talking about the action, something else that I really liked was the way that her theme from BVS was carried over into the action. Because the electric cello for that theme is mm-hmm. one of the coolest themes ever. And I remember at, at, when the movie started and we kind of hear that slow version of it that we, you know, in, in Batman versus Superman, anytime she shows up, you know, and she's out of costume, we kind of hear that, that like very foreign sounding like string. And that plays as the credit, like the opening kind of, uh, you know, logos play. And that already got me excited. But all I have to do is like hear that music and I get excited, even at the trailers, you know, as they ended and the, the Wonder Woman title appears on the screen and the music plays. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm, this is like the coolest thing ever. So whenever she gets into that warehouse moment or that the uh, two story building and she just looks up and right when she looks up, you hear the, the theme play. Like, it was hard for me to not kind of, like, move in my sequel. Like, oh, my (laughs) gosh, this is so cool. Um, It's such a distinctive and exciting theme. Yeah, to me, it's just, it's impossible to not get pumped anytime it plays. Yeah, um, I just want to talk about, you know, the core themes of this film. She she becomes believing that humankind, you know, is is obviously good. We're good. And so if there's a war this big... It can't be it can't be mankind's fault. It ha- has to be because the, it, Ares is behind it. So if I kill Ares, they'll all stop fighting. They'll all just get along. And ha- having Tre- Steve Trevor's character alongside her, you know, to try and like tell her throughout, you know, he he doesn't want to just crush her, but he's like, maybe it's not as simple as you think, and. When it's finally revealed that when she thinks she kills Ares and then she realizes, like, why, why are they still fighting? I've killed him. I've, I, I've won the, I've stopped it. And he, he has to like, you like, well, maybe they're doing this because they want to. Maybe we, maybe we want to fight. And it's, it's such a heartbreaking sequence. They like kind of just stop the film in the middle of this action sequence to just just like crush her soul and like make her question everything she believes in. And I love how like Steve Trevor sees that. He's like, I understand we we might suck, but I have to go fight. So just will you help me kind of thing. And then it's kind of, it's kind of seeing that there are humans who can do good, who will do good, who will sacrifice, who will, you know, uh, perform the ultimate sacrifice. It's like she's while being faced with the absolute worst humanity could possibly be, she kind of sees like the highest up. Uh, I guess you know 
sac- a man sacrificing himself for thousands of other people. And, and it, it's kind of that that you know kind of convinces you that maybe there is something in some way worth saving. Um, again, I I have a lot of problems with the climax, but th- I think the thematic through line is incredibly strong and it, it's very emotional just seeing her entire worldview kind of destroyed and then having uh having the character of Steve Trevor there to remind her of ultimately what is worth fighting for is very powerful it's like she watched Sam's speech at the stone window yeah <laughs> uh that scene though whenever he she finds out you know that the entire lens that she's been looking at mankind through is flawed is such a good scene. And I think it's really well acted really well. like Chris Pine's delivery of every line right there is so good where he, where he's, uh, she's saying I'm not to blame. And he's like, well, maybe I am, you know, maybe, maybe I'm part of the problem. Uh, maybe everything isn't the way you thought it was. Maybe they're doing this because this is who they are. And maybe I'm doing this because it's who I am. And maybe we're like in a situation because mankind is just what mankind is. Like it's just a really like almost pro- like profound scene amidst, you know, what's like just heading right into this climax. And then it's it's followed up by another great scene, you know, with him saying... Uh, like, I I have to be the one to do this because you've seen who I am. Like, I can save today, but you can save the world. And he he ends up making you know like what you said this sacrifice for everyone, and it kind of it initially enrages her, but then it caused like it it causes her to think more clearly and see that the, you know as Sam said, there's some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. Um, so yeah, just all of. It is interesting to see that almost the main, like the theme of the movie and what a lot of what it's saying happens amidst this climax. Um, I think it's kind of interesting. Yeah. You talk about his performance. Just he, you see, he is on the verge of just breaking down. He has been so inspired by, by her pure heroism throughout. And then you have to tell you, don't, don't you, don't you think I want to tell you that there's just one guy you can kill? But there's not. It's not. It's just this world sucks, and to have to tell her that, you know, <laughs> as you, know, you can see, he he, took, he so desperately wants to give her a pep talk, but he can't. It's just the world. The the whole world sucks so much, and for the film to be honest about that and not just give some really cliched, uh, uh, humanistic answer. Oh, oh, we're all good at heart. It just it makes you just stare into the face of human depravity and ask, do we even deserve this person to help us? Um, it's it's really powerful. Yeah, and I think it works in a lot of different ways because, like, one, it works with the, the arc that Diana is going on herself. The themes of this movie are very, like, linked to her own personal arc of her idea of what humanity is and the true nature of what humanity actually is. Um and then we we talked about it earlier, but something that I think it does really well is it continues the ideas that Zack Snyder has kind of started with this this series already. Um, and something the DCEU seems to be very concerned with, like heroes 
in relation to us, like the people they're saving. Um, people in general were like they were a major theme uh, of Man of Steel and Batman versus Superman, and we continue to be one in Wonder Woman. Uh, and some the fact that the the movie is more honest in saying, hey, maybe people don't really deserve these heroes that these heroes of the comic books that we're seeing now but maybe the fact that the heroes still save them it makes them that much more heroic you know a line from man of steel that i love is when jor-el says you will give them an ideal to strive for that's what wonder woman was doing in this movie and that's what really to me superman did in his movies and i hope that these themes are continued going forward because it makes the ideas of heroes important and relevant the fact that we're bad and we need we need saving but we don't even deserve saving and yet heroes are still out there to do it i i think that the movie really it it does a good job of of being able to work as its own standalone movie while still working thematically very well with everything that's come before yeah and ultimately that that is what sets dc apart again i love marvel but they're they're much more of a street level they're like kind of they're just you know the more day to day, you know, uh, kind of getting into the day to day lives of these heroes, and you know what the heroics, how the heroics affect them. But it, DC is much more about the ideas behind the genre as a whole. What does it mean to be a hero? What what is it like? What is a hero? You know, can humanity uh, accept heroes, do, or do they have to destroy them? Or can he, can uh, heroes accept humanity, or do they have to destroy them? It's it's going like to the very essence and mythos of why we tell stories about heroes in the first place. And I think we, we, we really need both. And that's why it was so frustrating when uh, people dislike Man of Steel and BBS, and which I'm glad they're finally accepting this. Now I hope, I hope they can kind of go back and look, look at the other films and realize, you know, just how ambitious and thoughtful they are. Yeah. My, my hope for the series as a whole is that justice league comes out and everybody loves it. And it kind of, finalizes some of the themes that have been brought up so far and kind of creates a, a bigger picture in that, you know, all of the movies viewed consecutively now in retrospect might, you know, I'm hoping people will be more accepting of it because like you said, it, it's a, it's really cool ideas um, through all of them. And even though Suicide Squad is incredibly, incredibly, incredibly flawed, I think Did it have even... ideas? I, I never noticed any ideas. Well, there weren't a lot of them, but something that that movie did that I thought was somewhat cool is it it showed the way mankind reacts to to this kind of bigger world. The fact that like weapons are typically made, or not typically, but oftentimes weapons will be made to compete with other weapons, and now we have people who are like themselves are weapons, and the way we try to now how can we really compete with these kind of weapons without trying ourselves to get involved in this world that's greater than our own and it's all i mean it's all muddled in a, a messy plot but okay <laughs> but it's there if you dig deep enough i, I trust you i, I have no desire to dig <laughs> uh, um and, and one more positive before we move into the um into some of the issues i had with it is i i love that this film makes it so clear that this isn't a uh, about men versus women. I mean, I think they even go to kind of unnecessary lengths just to make sure some idiot doesn't mis misconstrue it that way. I mean, there are several idiots who are still doing it, but I mean, what can you do? 
But I, I like how when uh, Ares gives her the choice, you know, to save human or humanity or destroy them, the ultimate symbol, the, you know, the symbol of mankind's corruption that he puts in front of her is Dr. Poison. Now, it would have been perfectly thematically coherent to have put anyone, um, a male in front of her as well. But I like how Jenkins was, you know, thoughtful enough about how stupid people can be in reading films to at least put a woman there just to say that the problem is with mankind. It's not just man versus female. It's just the, it's mankind, it's humanity as a whole that is corrupt. And so I, I like how she, she at least – it shows that she's very well in tune with her story and she wants to make sure that no one can no one can warp it. And obviously, uh, Alan Heinberg deserves a lot of credit for you know crafting this story in a way in such a clear, coherent fashion. But I just appreciate that she was thoughtful enough to. I mean, I, I always just respect when a filmmaker just shows so much intimate knowledge of what they're trying to do, and how that will affect the audience that they take these unnecessary lengths to make sure that people can't confuse what they're saying. And. and, and and, and not in an obvious way by looking at the camera and saying it, by, by, by weaving into the story. Yeah, I think the the way the movie played itself, like played this aspect, worked really, really well to me. Because it, man, just because of the political climate, this movie really could have just pandered to one of two audiences. And instead, it it struck a balance that I think both audiences like there there's no reason to me that you should look at this and really be like wow like really they're trying to say this like it was just a very nuanced and i think fair look at at you know um this kind of, one just this genre in general um have being the first it's not the first female-led superhero movie but the first good one um the way it treated um Steve Trevor they're not like well you've always you know you've always put women as the damsels in distress now we're going to have uh Steve Trevor you know helpless like he's doing what he can Wonder Woman is doing what she can you know this is the truth about humanity this is people in general i i i don't know i i thought it was all very fairly balanced um very fair in its depiction of everything and uh it really didn't do anything. I think that should should make anybody angry. Yeah, it's, it's like they, they kind of took turns to inspire the other. When one was down, the other one would step up and fulfill that, and, and you know, help help spur them on. And then, ultimately, when when she was down, you know, he would kind of have to you know step up and and help spur her on. It just people need each other. That one, per, you know, no one person is perfect. No one person can do everything by themselves. It, it just it gave a really lovely picture of just you know how much humanity how much better humanity is when they work together you know what one person alone can't can't win everything we need like we might need we might need a symbol sometime or we might need a, a self-sacrifice in another instance um yeah good stuff just lastly before we move on some other uh performances that i did want to talk about that i really liked was um even though and I'll, I'll get into this in the negatives. Even though I thought Dr. Poison was underdeveloped, I liked Elena Anaya in the role really well. I think she, like, just the very, like, raspy kind of voice. This kind of, like, this person who seems to be somewhat easily manipulated and kind of, like, desires 
like desires respect or just to be liked from someone else the way she looks up to uh Ludendorff and it seems like her motivation is almost just to impress him and she's very loyal to him and then you know when when Steve Trevor is in disguise she start like she's very intrigued by this man who seems to be you know taken by her and then the second you know he seems interested in another woman she just feels very personally hurt like it's it's an underdeveloped character but it's a very nuanced and i thought well performed performance mm-hmm. from this actress and, and a very evocative character design you you immediately want to start writing a backstory for her as soon as you see her see that the mask like you know what happened did she uh some kind of poison eat away her face you, you want to just feel it want to immediately fill in the blanks as soon as you see her it's a great character design yeah and she i think she carries herself really cool there there's one shot to me that's it's from the trailer and the movie as well. It's it's really cool when he he leaves the door of all of the other Germans as they're telling him that the armistice is going to happen. She just kind of slides in and drops that and runs away. It's I don't know. It felt very like a like a kind of classic movie moment. But uh, I don't know. I, I just overall I thought that she did very well in the role and it, it's a really cool character design. Yeah, and I, I think this film borrows heavily from Captain America. So, you know, in a couple of good ways and also in a lot of negative ways, including the, the, the howling commandos that they gathered together. It's, they did find some great actors to play them. Um, Saeed, uh, I'm not even going to try to pronounce his last name, who plays Samir. I, I don't think any of them got a lot of development, but I think he, they give, gave him a lot to do. And I think he worked really well as kind of uh, someone that, who could talk to, he, he kind of talked to Diana when she was frustrated or talked to Steve when he was frustrated, kind of, if they were too much for each other, they could kind of have this other this other outlet for their feelings or, and or or just frustrations. And he was just a really funny comedic actor as well. I think he, I, I think the other two were unnecessary, but I think I, I'm glad they at least had him. Just you know, as just another perspective in uh in their dynamic in case they got too tired of each other. Yeah, and I like that they they did make him more dynamic, you know, than. Then they had to, and still, you know, they they could have had him a lot more one note and gotten away with it. But, you know, he comes on. He's you almost think he's just going to be this obnoxious womanizer from start to finish. You know, the first thing he says when he sees her is like, "Oh, that's a work of art." Like, well, he is, but it's 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 charming. He, yeah, but it, it's not <laughs> it's not the one note kind of way where like he is a character, and even though there's not and you know, an incredible amount of layers to him, there still are at least layers to him. Um, you know, he's saying like, you know, char- you, we're not always what we want to be. I wanted to be this, but I couldn't. And so now here I am. And it's, you know, he, he is a genuine character. He's not there. He he doesn't feel there just to add another side character. He's, he's his own person and he, he feels like a human being. And um, I, I really liked his performance, and I, I liked you and Bremner as Charlie mm-hmm. as well. I, I really do wish that he had kind of gotten a hero moment because he or any kind of moment. Yeah, <laughs> after that, because he's he's you know he he chokes when he's able to do that, or because he's not able to do that, and I do think that he. There's some nice moments with him immediately after that, you know, when whenever he's singing at the piano, and then whenever he says, you know, I don't think I'll be of use to you, and she says, no, you got to sing for us, and he just, 
you kind of see that sparkle of hope back in his eye of you know mm-hmm. feeling wanted and he goes back to singing i i liked it a lot and to me those moments would have been even better had he in his own eyes redeemed himself from not being able to to take out the sniper but the movie does feel like it's kind of it doesn't forget about him because he's still at least on the screen during the climax but i feel like it it kind of forgets about his character and who he is and it doesn't let him do anything else after that but he's he's still very good in the in the role i liked him a lot yeah basically forgets about all the side characters i think he's given a really good half arc like He's set up for a great moment of redemption at the end, and it just never comes. And that's really frustrating because I also really like him as an actor. He's essentially playing uh, Spud from Train Spotting if he was an alcoholic and a sniper. But uh, he, he's just such a. His, his mannerisms are so huge and exaggerated. He's just funny to watch. Um, and I think uh, Eugene Brave Rock as Chief is like horrifically underused. He's essentially, he plays the stoic Native American, which we've never seen that before. But there was one line that I really liked where she's talking about my people's lands were taken. She's like, who took your lands? Well, his people. <laughs> the good guys in this war might have just been the bad guys in the last war. It's just like, it's, it's such a simple yet profound commentary on like mankind's cycle of violence. It's not in your face. It's just, it's, it's such a beautiful little moment kind of of, Revealing just you know how how problematic humans are. Yeah, the fact that uh, like it's not like these are consistently the good guys and these are consistently the bad guys. You know, I mean, mankind kind of has the ability to be good and to be bad, and it's not that these guys are always bad. We really kind of take turns being the bad guys, um, mm-hmm. just because the the problem isn't tied to any sort of ethnicity it's just to, to mankind in general and i, I like that moment as well i, mean, I, I like the, the it's it's not like there's no bitterness and it's just like a matter of fact you know yeah we fought the last war we fought these guys and now we're together it's just kind of this is just how we are yeah i, I the only th- and i i don't know if maybe this is just me but i to me he did not he i just didn't see him as a very good actor in this though um there were some some lines to me just came across really weird. Like whenever she says, you know, that's that's weird thunder. I, like I, I he he said he replied, which just sounded like that German seventy sevens guns, big ones. He may just be playing the the stock Native American character, in which case they're always deadpan. So I don't know. Maybe that's what it is. But to to me, it just felt like everything he said just came. It was very very monotone and um. I don't know, like you said, maybe that's just there's there's just this kind of Native American archetype that they wanted to have played, but um, mm-hmm. to me, it's just a, you're among all these other like big personalities and guys who are just like doing giving these great performances. To me, he kind of stuck out. Yeah, well, I guess it's just to move into our negatives. Uh, the side characters were one of my negatives. It's just you, know, uh, Steve and Diana are so beautifully explored in this film. And the side characters aren't. They're given good moments, but like you said, uh, Ewan Bremner's, Bremner's character doesn't get any kind of uh, conclusion to his arc. Uh, and I, I don't understand Chief's uh, motivations. We literally see that he he trades with both sides. He doesn't take a side. Like where uh, I love where uh, uh, Steve says, you know, 
English tea for the Germans, German beer for the British, and Edgar Rice Burroughs novels for both. But then literally next scene, he's shooting his uh, customers. <laughs> he's like, he just kind of, he says, I don't take a side. Then literally he's joining to the fight and shooting the people who he supposedly kind of has a working relationship with. It feels like they just didn't really think through the implications of what his character was. Yeah, that, that's what it feels like. It doesn't feel like they were, there's any sort of statement they were trying to make with him joining their side. It felt like his initial conclusion was to show that there's there are people like him who are just acknowledged that wars happen, and instead of taking sides, I'm just gonna I'm going to do my own thing amidst that. And then they're like, oh well, I mean, he's a side character at this point, so we might as well have him join, like you said, without really thinking of the implications of what that means based off of what you've told us about him before. So we just, even though the other two characters are kind of, even though they're not explored deep, we we. we understand them more and at least understand why they're fighting more whereas with him it's like man you you the the movie made a point to differentiate you between everyone else one scene ago why are you with these guys now um and speaking of other side characters the villains suck yeah like really bad really really bad <laughs> oh my gosh uh Danny Houston's a great actor, and here he literally just glowers at everything. Like the moment, the moment in the gala where he just like throws himself on top of Diana and is like breathing these evil lines in her face, and then just turns around and walks away. It's like, what was that? I mean, first off, the whole red herring thing is incredibly stupid. But even if he were the bad guy. It's it's just he's 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 a cartoon. Like the moment when they throw the ball the gas into the chamber and he's like, But the gas mask won't work. But they don't know that. <laughs> and then you both give this ridiculous cackle. It's you can't the film doesn't allow you to take them seriously, even though I think it wants it, it intends for you to. And it's just they are so they are just like cartoons in just how evil they are. And just things they do, especially like the, he literally comes and tell like in the in the Gala scene, he's literally saying, I am evil to this stranger he just now met. It's, it's just why? This makes no sense. Yeah, I I really dislike the character. Um It almost reminded me of the way like the villains were treated and like like the something like the nineteen sixties Adam West Batman where it's like we have our heroes doing things and like and now for a scene, let's go see our villains being dastardly. Like Here's here's actual thoughtful character development. Now here's a scene of them trying out this gas and him shooting his own man. And they, they took really easy routes to show him being villainous. They're like, he's so bad. He shot one of his own. It's like, okay, well they're like on the bad side. He's so bad. Like he's poisoned. These are like, okay, like every. And then he he does end up gassing the village, which you know, obviously it does it. It's made worse by the fact that we did at least get a moment to where we can see the village being happy. But still, it was just like, how many different ways can we make sure the audience knows that he's the bad guy? Because he's the bad guy, all right, in case you were wondering. And then, honestly, I mean, in my notes, I have him down as Red Harrington. That's all. That's what he is. Like, he's, <laughs> he's just... He, he barely works the first time through, but he's almost insulting on rewatches because him as a character he exists 
to point you in the wrong direction. He doesn't exist to be a human. He doesn't exist to have motivation. He exists to throw you off the scent. And what's the, you know, he's he's based off of an actual person. And I understand why she um actually no he he is like General Ludendorff from what I understand like is an actual person and he did you know his his tactics did seem unnecessarily, you know, bloodthirsty or whatever is described by Patty Jenkins. So I can understand that. I can understand how you can use a historical figure and say if Diana was confu- was going to confuse any of us for the God of War, it would have been this guy. That works fine. But then to have lines from Dr. Poison like, this will restore your strength. Like, okay, you use the word restore to help trick the audience into thinking that he had like some sort of power before and he's in this weakened human state. And then him saying like, oh, you know nothing of the gods, implying that like he has some sort of involvement with the gods, or at least very close knowledge of the gods. Like, what are the odds that the person that she mistakes for Ares has what seems to be some sort of obsession with Greek mythology? Uh, There's no implication. The film tells you multiple times, this is Ares. And that's what is so bad about him being a red herring, is that it's not only is it fully unnecessary to any, any thematic thing the film is doing, but the fact that he is Ares. Everything he does, everything he says as a character says he's Ares. But if he's not Ares, he has no reason to do any of that or say any of that. It's just his character is makes no sense on any level whatsoever if he is not Ares. Wh- who is he? Wh- wh- what is he? I don't know what he is. Yeah, that's it's he's one of the more frustrating characters in one of these comic book movies just because like I said, he he's not a character. He exists to be Ares when the movie wants us to think he's Ares. And whenever we we don't even get to, you know, she kills him and then we find out he's not Ares. So now that we know he's not Ares, he's dead. So now we don't even get to see what he's like now that we know that's not him. Like, but, and, and who is he? he ha- restoring his strength? Restoring his strength to what? what? What is this thing? I don't know what I'm looking at. It's just so bad. It's, it's so, so lazy. Yeah. I mean, and it makes it all the more frustrating because that red herring holds no significant thematic value, and I would argue that it actually undermines the climax. And uh, did you have anything else to say about him before I move on? Well, so the the only thing I think that there is potential to have him have like to have it be working thematically for the film. Like if you were to say, you know, this was him, like he was this evil without me. There's a human being so naturally evil that you mistook him for the god of war. That's how bad they can be. But the movie never tries to really go there. So I, I think it, they could have said, you know, like, this this man, apart from being influenced by the god of war, is this naturally bloodthirsty and evil. But the point is, he wasn't portrayed as humanly bloodthirsty or evil. He was portrayed as Ares. He was he was portrayed... He, he didn't feel like a human character. He felt like this... Like someone who, like like the god of war, because the movie wanted us to believe that he was the god of war. So, it it could have made for for what I think could have worked a scene that could have worked thematically, where he's saying, you know, man, it pretty much saying what he did say in the movie, you know, mankind did this, not I. But they could have they could have used his character to help with that, but they didn't really. Yeah, and and 
I, I said it, it damages the, the themes of the film. I think it does because, you know, she goes and kills him. And then they have that really heartbreaking conversation about, yeah, you killed the God of, you may have killed the God of war, but man still wants to fight. But then you realize, oh, wait, the God of war is still there. And she fights him and kills him. And then everybody hugs. Wait, what were you just saying five minutes ago? It directly contradicts everything it was just saying in a way that is just just incomprehensible to me. Why, how they didn't see, they they, they completely crippled the message they were giving. It's really, really frustrating. Yeah, that, there's, there's no reason. There's no reason that the Germans would have gotten up and started hugging. (laughs) Diana's right. Based on that conclusion, Diana's right. We're not bad. We were under the influence of Ares. Those German soldiers, like the whole point of seeing them continue to load the missiles, that works so well for the movie, especially with Steve Trevor saying, like, maybe that's who they are. Look at them. They're doing this. They know the. They know exactly what's going to happen when they load up these gas bombs, but they're still doing it. People can be bad. Oh, wait, no, that wasn't Ares. Oh, you did kill Ares. Never mind. People are good. They're hugging. Like, it it undermines everything that this movie is trying to say. And it's so frustrating because even the looks on their faces, like when they're taking off the mask, and like, it looks like they're coming to from having been controlled. Like, oh, you know, like, like they're breathing in fresh air for the first time in what feels like forever. It's, it doesn't work. And it makes everything that Aries said, you know, like, it it makes that all wrong because he said, I would whisper, I gave them ideas for weapons, but I never made them use it. I, but I did control these, you know, soldiers. That was definitely me, because as it turns out, they definitely look like they did not want any part of this. So I was wrong also. It just... Yeah. Oh, man, it's so frustrating to see that. And to me, in my mind, I'm just going to make up an excuse as to why they hugged, because the <laughs> the moment of the fact that they still did that after, air, you know, that they're still doing that apart from Ares' control... And Steve Trevor's message was very good. I'm just going to continue knowing that that's the message of the movie. And this was just, you know, unfortunate. I tried to I rework the ending with all the elements the same. I think what should have happened is where she goes, you know, she runs in, has either have Ludendorff as Ares or simply keep it uh, completely um, just ambiguous. Maybe he is, maybe he wasn't. You know, she goes in, fights him. Maybe give it a big. You have to. This is a uh, action film, as a superhero film, so you have to have people punching each other. So maybe make that fight go on a little longer, and then she finally kills him, and the fighting continues. So then, she and Steve can still have that great conversation, and she's kind of completely de- distraught and destroyed. And he says, "Well, I gotta go fight." And he tries to like, and like they, they, maybe then they separate. Like have him say, "I gotta take out the plane. You go destroy the factory." And then when she goes there. Maybe she's confronted by Dr. Poison, who, who uh, I guess, because the lines that uh, Ares gives, you know, I think they're important that we keep them. The, uh, the discussion they have of mankind's nature, uh, I think it's important that that is there. You know, him saying, you know, man, Earth would be better off without these, this scum. They're, they're completely corrupt at the core. I, I, I didn't make them do anything they, they didn't already want to do. I merely gave them the tools. I think that discussion is important to have. And that discussion can only come after she thinks she's defeated Ares. So I think maybe having Dr. Poison as kind of a disciple with of his anti-human philosophies will give her, after having that, that, that her faith shaken, 
having to confront the absolute worst in humanity and Dr. Poison as someone who, who wants to destroy humanity. And then if you need to punch more people, they already have the super soldier snuff that he took earlier. So you can have more punching if you need it. I don't think it needs it. Just making, you know, having her confront this person and, and then seeing Steve sacrifice himself will kind of confirm her belief in, in that humanity can possibly be better and is worth saving. And then, you know, destroy the factory. But also, I think what would have been so much better is that after she destroys the factory, her and her little band of misfits have to, like, beat a hasty retreat. Like, as if, yeah, we won, but these guys are still going to kill us, so we got to get out of here. And it, w- it would leave it on a much more somber note, I think. But it would still, it would keep the themes intact. Um, and you wouldn't have that awful uh, cl- uh, visual climax. Yeah, which is just... Man, that that vi- the actual visuals of the climax is so boring. It it's so bland too. I'm curious. Do you, do you think uh, my suggestions would work, or did you, you have any? Did you think of a different ways to f- fix that? I I think that it does work. Um, the way it would work the way you described it, and it would work beyond. It would retroactively fix another problem I had, which is if Doctor Poison's the one giving the speech just as a disciple continuing this philosophy, now she feels more developed in retrospect. So now I don't really have as many complaints as I do with her character, and I certainly don't have the complaints I had with Ares. So I think that would have, you know, and the fact that they, you know, they, it would eliminate the Germans hugging each other, it, you'd still, you don't compromise your more optimistic themes that while mankind sucks, we can still save them. Um... And you don't compromise that thing by doing that. Like it's it's still, it's it's still optimistic. I know they wanted to have a hopeful, optimistic ending. You can still have that. We don't have to have like this, like oh look, there's the Germans are still savagely trying to kill. Like we're like okay, well we got to get out of here. Like it it can it could still be very truthful with what it said before, while still feeling hopeful. Uh, mm-hmm. You could still have the armadas, armadas. How do you pronounce that? Armistice. No, I, Armistice. I, I can never pronounce that word. <laughs> you can still have that, but it shouldn't be literally the direct result of her killing Ares like it is in the film. Clearly show that the fighting is still continuing, then have it end. She helped end the war, but her simply killing Ares didn't do everything. Um, and then just to get into the actual fight between... Uh, I guess the, the red herring is... Uh, Instead of Danny Houston being Ares, it's David Thewlis as Sir Patrick, was it? Yes. And, it, I mean, can I just talk about what I really dislike about that before we actually talk about the visuals of the battle? I was going to do that. Just, oh, okay. I, David Thewlis is a delightful actor. He's, he's Remus Lupin, one of my favorite characters of any Harry Potter, any of the Harry Potter films and books. And just like I, I would watch Prisoner of Azkaban over and over just to watch him have his lovely little monologues. But he's he, he's he's no Greek god. He's a very incredibly sickly, slightly dorky looking person. <laughs> um, and he's just he doesn't. Nothing about him suggests that he would be a Greek god, and it's never commented on that he just looks like a kind of a funny looking British man. And. It just as as a casting choice, he gives great monologues. I mean, I I really like when he's he's like talking, giving his monologues. He he, he execute the dialogue is pretty bad, but he he brings a lot to it. 
but I just he, he's he, as a casting choice, it just makes no sense. Especially when we see that all the Amazons are like the finest specimens of humanity. It just it's just weird. Yeah. So just about the character, I like I like the idea that they kind of changed, or actually they really changed Ares as a character from the mythology. Um, the fact that he doesn't even consider himself the god of war is cool, and that he just wants things to go back to the way they were. That's interesting and cool. Um, and I could I could be okay with David Thewlis still being in the movie as him if they said that this was like a purposefully unassuming human look he took on to disguise himself as. Look at David Thewlis. No one's gonna think this is the god of war. Like I would <laughs> buy that, but the fact that even after the reveal and we see the flashback and it's David Thewlis in the Greek, you know, uniform looking up. That's him. That's what he's always looked like. And then it's even him under the mask when he, like he, he melts the eyelets, which is a cool uh, little scene where like, you know, he, he melts it through his helmet, but it just, it make you look at him and you think that's not him. That's not the God of War. No one would think that doesn't work. You can't have David Thewlis play the God of War. Yeah, it's it's just such a miscast. And then, even apart from just the casting, it makes me... I mean, I've seen it three times, so I feel like I can say this, but his action, he's given no explanation as to why he's doing what he's doing. The ar- like, I feel like the entire reason he's in favor of the armistice is simply because this guy wants peace. Ares doesn't want peace. This guy can't be Ares. Like, because his... The the only length that the movie goes to to convince us or like to to make sense of that is, I orchestrated an armistice. I know they couldn't keep. Okay, well why start it in the first place? You're saying I stopped them from fighting only so that they could go back to fighting. Why stop them from fighting in the first place? What is the point of this armistice? Why why as Ares, the god of war, would you start would be in favor of this armistice? It makes no sense. The only sense it makes is that the movie didn't want us to think that he was in that he was Ares and that the armistice was the peaceful solution any character being in favor of the peaceful solution can't be Ares he like general ludendorff everything about their characters before this reveal contradicts everything afterward like it's only crafted to trick the audience it's not nuanced there's no way to you don't rewatch it and see layers like oh i get it it's literally upon every rewatch like this this makes no sense now. It's only to trick the audience, and you can only trick the audience one time. So now, going back, it doesn't make sense at all. Yeah, it, it, there's, there's, no, there's no place where there, his two identities intersect in, in any way that's at all meaningful. Um, and then just the battle. It, not only is the CGI not great, but it's... Nothing visually interesting at all happens in the battle. It's just one person throws something at the other person. Apparently, uh, Eros is Magneto. And they just throw stuff at each other. Then they shoot power bolts at each other. Then she absorbs a power bolt and kills him. There's no, there's no build. There's no real suspense. It's just, I hit you, you hit me, I hit you, I kill you. It's, it's, it's just really really poorly and it, it, at visually it's the not, not only the effects really bad it's just kind of it just all looks really goofy and dorky the cgi is, the cgi doubles are fake are really obviously fake the the 
the poses they strike feel like they are out of uh like the two, the early 2000s daredevil like like someone who is like this would be really cool have them strike this pose that makes absolutely no sense in the context but it'll be cool and just the things we are the genre is past that now but it's just they're doing stuff like that and it just it doesn't look good it's not interesting and and it reminded me like my my one of my criticisms of both Batman vs Superman and Man of Steel was that some of the CGI action scenes just felt like they went on too long and without much uh, purpose. But even those were all very visually creative. This just is so bad. Obviously, as a fan of Snyder, even when he's at his worst, he's still great. But here, like you said, I can forgive bad CGI if I'm at least being entertained. But this was it was bland. It was boring. The camera was entirely uninteresting there was nothing about it. there were there was no cool movements the battle didn't flow it was hardly even physical like barely any there's barely any contact actually being made between the two you know like mm-hmm. when superman fights zod this is a hands-on fight when she fought, when two gods fight she's throwing crates at him like it's <laughs> so boring and then all of a sudden she develops the power to stop objects mid-air as she's because she's more confident in herself like, what was that about? Why could she suddenly... Uh, I don't know. Yeah, that was another really confusing element for me for the, in this film is not being a previous fan of Wonder Woman. After watching this film, I really don't know what her powers are. It's just that they kind of mold... They kind of just bend and move and mold to whatever situation she's in. Like, at first, she believes she's just an Amazon. And uh, I, I would say, like, Amazons are what Captain America is to humans. But then they they never really show her she seems surprised when she blocks the sword blow. She seems kind of surprised when she makes that when she's able to to uh destroy the stone with her hands and climb up the wall. But they never there's never a scene where she's like experimenting with how strong she is. Literally, she's surprised at how strong she is, and next in the next scene in the trenches, she's using it perfectly and she knows exactly what to do in every instance. She never misses there's, there's, there really needed to be a scene in between where she kind of practiced, you know, practiced with her lasso, practiced, you know, being able to jump 100 feet, which she couldn't have done. She didn't know she could do that the last time we saw her, and obviously now she's doing it. There really needed to be a scene with her experimenting and practicing with her powers, you know, to make – it's a, it, I, I love that scene, but it just kind of comes out of nowhere. We needed a scene like Superman experimenting with his flight. Um, but like you said, we didn't really get that. And it, it is weird because – you know, we're we're told that Robin Wright's character trained her as hard as she could. And if if Gal if that Gal Gadot or if if she if this Wonder Woman is fighting as as hard and strong as she can, she should have killed the Amazons. <laughs> but why hasn't she? Cuz she's clearly like after like years of being trained, I'm assuming she's fighting as hard as she can. Why is why is like the risk gauntlet thing? Why is that the first like tip off that there's something different. If literally two week, like two weeks later, now that she's in the trenches, she's flipping tanks. She ran uh-huh. in into a bell tower and destroyed it. I mean, I get that Amazons are powerful, but if the person who can do that is fighting that person, like, or is fighting an Amazon, it it just doesn't work. Which is like, why? Like, I mean, that's why I agree with what you're saying. Like, we needed a scene as to where she really pushes herself and understands what she could actually do, but we never got that. And then, you know, in, in the final battle, she pretty much flies up in the air to shoot him with the beam. 
she can levitate, she has telekinesis, and she can shoot power beams out of her arms. I, I, what is this? Nothing in the film suggests that any of this was possible. I don't know. It, it, I, I kind of wish they just kept her as just a more physical uh, fighter, just because it's so confusing. And also, when you have overpowered heroes and overpowered villains, you get really boring fight choreography. I think they should have... Maybe le- later on, she'll find out some more of her... Like, just, did, can, can she normally fly? No. I couldn't tell... Okay. So then what the hell was that? <laughs> That's what I'm thinking. Like, why are you floating now? And, I mean, I get that your gauntlets can absorb energy, but now you can shoot it back? Like, what's happening? And then the last fight receives even more negative lines, or negative points, because the last line of the fight is, it's not about deserve, it's about what you believe and I believe in love, then I will destroy you. That's the last line of the fight. The things I never wanted to hear David do this yell. <laughs> and now we know why that's on that list, because it sounds so bad when being yelled, and he's covered with CGI, but he still has his big mustache. Mm-hmm. Uh. Yeah, I, I, I love the first half of the line. You know, it's not about deserving. It's about what you believe. <sighs> I kind of wish they changed that a little bit because it's it's about what you believe. You believe in love. I, I kind of wish they put some more work into that line. Yeah, and to me it leads to another bad line later. <laughs> and then I learned only love can truly save the world. Like, oh, man. <laughs> that just said. Yeah. But, again, the thing that astonishes me about this film is that in the midst of that horrific action, Aside from the, 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 the where they hug it out at the end, the themes of the film are still on the forefront. The battle between Ares and Diana is a thematic one. It's one, it's, it's one of ideals. And that's a lot more than I can say for a lot of superhero battles. So I never, I never lost sight of what the film was truly about, even as I wanted to look away from the screen because it was so ugly. Yeah. Um, I did have one last thing. This, I have it down as a negative now. I just want to... I'll keep it there, but I won't... I want to see if maybe it was just something I'm missing, but it's part of it seems to contradict Batman versus Superman, where she says, a hundred years ago, I walked away from the world of mankind. And now writing back to Bruce, she says, and that is why I stayed, because only love can save it. So it seems like she had decided <laughs> after, you know, Steve Trevor's sacrifice said, okay, they're flawed but I'm here to stay and I'm here to fight for them. But in BVS, she said, you know, oh, I left all this behind a hundred years ago. Maybe World War II convinced her that she should (laughs) stop or whatever, but yeah. But but World War I was a hundred years ago at that time. Yeah, which is why I think they should have had the more somber ending. Oh, that reminds me. Oh, gosh. The last shot of this film is so bad. It is so bad. Oh, yeah. It's again like back to films like Daredevil or Catwoman or Elektra. It's where a director thinks this is cool. Have her strike this pose that makes no sense in context because it's cool and it's really bad green screen. And, and, and again, she's flying. And wh- wh- where is this coming from? It's just really super cheesy. And it, it, it's a testament to how strong the film is that I could forgive things like that at the end. And one one last nitpick is what is the geography of this world? I'm I'm assuming Themyscira is in the Mediterranean, because 
he literally he flies from Turkey to it. But also, the ship is directly behind him. Pl- planes can go a lot faster than ships, in case you didn't know. So, the fact that the, the ship is right behind him pursuing a plane, the fact that they can get a ship ready to, together to go pursue him is ridiculous. But the fact that he can fly from Turkey to Themyscira on a World War One plane, and then they can get from the Mediterranean to England in a sailboat overnight? <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And they take the village. But the, in World War One, if you take a town, you don't dance that night. You build defenses because the Germans are going to counterattack. The fact that they leave a, a giant hole in their line that they can literally walk through, walk from there, like um, two miles to high command, and they never they never uh, try to take it back. What? Yeah, to me, the movie does do a whole lot of like movie things, which is to ignore geography and to ignore like sometimes like mod like real life logic for the sake of what it's trying to do as a movie and i mean i can i guess i can forgive it but it is it just it does come across silly and a lot of times to me it's like it's not like a make or break thing and it's not like i'm gonna really count off that many points for the fact that it's there but it it can be fixed relatively easily yeah we could have all we could have just been told that yeah they were on the boat for a while we could have just we could have had the dance you know be later like there's no reason that the climax had to happen the day after that battle like it doesn't it doesn't slow down cuz you don't have to show you don't have to show that time elapse you can literally have the pacing remain the same and the scenes remain the same just add an extra line of dialogue or whatever implying that so it's like it's easy fixes and what like they're not huge problems to me i don't like i i'm not gonna care too much about it but it, it always does kind of make me scratch my head where it's like man this could have been fixed like really simply mm-hmm. yeah for, for how well the film kind of showed the mundanity and just you know the bureaucracies and of war when they do like crazy things like that it just sticks out really a lot um I think I'm out about of, 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 uh, negatives. Do you have any others? No, uh, that, those were my last. Are you just moving to your final thoughts? Sure. So, to me, Wonder Woman, it, it does it lacks the ambition and the weight that I think Snyder has brought before. Um, and it definitely kind of relies a little bit more on genre conventions. Despite those issues and, you know, uh, all of my issues with the third act, it doesn't stop it from being a very well-made film. Like the pacing is great because it never forgets about its characters. You know, it, it never loses sight of the characters and the story it's trying to tell. Uh, it's consistently anchored by a great cast. And before the visual blandness of the end, it does visually set itself apart from other comic book films, by the way. She fights, you know, the, the darker colors of the of the world and world war in uh in comparison to her bright uniform. It's just it looks visually distinct. Um and I think one of its most impressive aspects is the fact that it's it acts as a character-focused standalone film, but it still thematically continues the ideas started in the previous movies, and it fits nicely in that universe. So it's it's very much its own thing, and it never compromises being its own thing. But it it's one more puzzle piece to a universe universe that I am very fond of so far. And it fits in really well. Yeah. Um, 
like as you said, just as an overall film, it it, wor- it just it works. The uh, the the pay- the characters are great. The the first the actors are fantastic. Gal Gadot and and uh, Chris Pine both give really good performances that are really in tune with the writing and you know, the pacing. It it moves, but it also the film never forget. I can't think of a single instance where it forgets its message. It, every scene seems to be in some way reinforcing the final theme it's going for. And when when it comes, when the ending comes, when the climax comes, when for these ideas to be hashed out, I, they are done in a very emotional and inspiring way. Even th- in spite of one of the, the couple of missteps, it's a it's a film that really knows its identity. It knows what it is, and it 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 takes all the step. It takes every step it needs to take to make everything land. And just 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 to be able to say that is you can't say that about so many films. So many films may have good ideas, but they don't execute them. We we we, we always talk about this when we talk about flaws in films. Like maybe that idea didn't properly land. But this film feels so confident and so just coherent in what it's trying to say. And you know, again, it's continuing the themes of. Uh, of the previous films, it, it feels of a piece, but also very distinct. Um, fantastic action, as you said. Just, I don't. I, I said before, I don't think Patty Jenkins is an action director. There was some like odd editing, some weird CGI, but still, she had a great vision for how she wanted these scenes to look. And when they worked, they really worked. That the, again, the No Man's Land scene is is just a standout in so many ways in the genre. Um, and it's, it's, it's getting more and more difficult to do that. Uh, so just, yeah, a good film. It has some pretty serious problems, but it's a testament just to how, how strong this film is in its identity that it overcomes all those and makes it memorable in spite of the problems. Agreed. So, so how are you feeling now about kind of the future of the DCEU that now people like it? It just feels weird. <laughs> it is weird. And honestly, had... Um... Had what's going on with Justice League not happened, I would, I would feel like I can be more cemented in my thoughts. But now that Joss Whedon is taking over, I don't think he can, he is going to change it too much. But what I'm worried is that if Justice League is loved, people say it's because of Whedon. If it's hated, people say <laughs> it's because of Snyder. Um, I there. I'm just worried that at this point there's there's no way that Snyder can walk away with a win for Justice League unless and I I like Joss Whedon I really do as and even as a person um, he seems like a really classy guy yeah and so my hope is that Justice League is well received and that Joss Whedon along with all of WB um, is really I, I hope that they treat Snyder well and they give him proper credit for it um, I mean the the fact that I I really dislike a lot about WB. The fact that they can't help but keep their hands on these movies and they butcher them in editing. And But something that I do like is the fact that Man of Steel came out and wasn't a um, you know critical hit. And they got him back for Batman vs. Superman. And then that was the divisive movie it was. And they brought him back for Justice League. The, they seem to be willing to stick behind Snyder. So as far as the DCEU going forward... I am optimistic because what Wonder Woman has showed is that we can have these these kind of movies that are easier more palatable for like a larger audience while still retaining kind of the themes and ideas 
that I loved about it initially. Um, and I think that I, I, I think Justice League will be great. And I am enormously excited for Aquaman. I love everything about that movie so far. I hope they continue hiring more interesting directors and and let them craft a drama inside of these cool action films like they like they did here like well Snyder crafted a whole ambitious whole a whole other level of film but just as much as I love like Marvel films I, I don't want them to start making Thor the Dark World or uh or just Guardians Iron Man 2 well except for that that ha- that had so oh, much potential true. it had but uh I, I I don't want them to make just cool action films. I want these. I love cool action films, but I want DC to continue to mean something. And if they if it takes you know hiring people who have just a more dramatic flair and maybe craft a bad action scene or two, I'll take it. I'm cool. I'd be cool with that as well. I I like the trajectory that Wonder Woman seems to be headed on. Um, and I think I think that Justice League will end up being well received. Maybe not as well received as Wonder Woman has been, but I think that the DCEU might. I want to be optimistic, so I think I think, and I think that you know, really, one of my biggest thoughts is that if Justice League does well, which I'm hoping it does, and I have honestly, I don't even have to just try to be optimistic to be optimistic for Aquaman. I think that that movie is just going to be a hit. Um, and so with Wonder Woman being successful and I'm assuming Aquaman will be successful and hoping Justice League will be successful, there will be no more doubts around this Batman movie that refuses to get started and maybe Matt Reeves can create another awesome Batman movie and the DCU will be in great shape. Yeah, I I kind of feel like Aries like you, they don't deserve Zack Snyder. (laughs) We really don't. Well, uh, here is looking forward to uh, many more fantastic uh, DCEU films. Uh, so that was our review of Wonder Woman. If you want to find older reviews, you can find them at underratedpodcast.com. And uh, I'd like to ask you, if you enjoy the show, to please take a moment and go and rate and review us on iTunes. We would really appreciate that. And you can like us on Facebook. We are there as Underrated Podcast. Uh, feel free to comment with any films that you think are underrated. And you can also follow us on Twitter at underrated underscore pod. Well, uh, I hope you enjoyed our review for uh, Wonder Woman, and uh, we will see you later. See ya.